What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. through three months of the year we might as well talk about a few new records that we're listening to right now so that we can spotlight for this crank it up new music spotlight we'll call it the q1 edition it's a little bit later than q1 we're talking about april at this point but we've had a chance to listen to some new releases as they've come out january february march of this year so why not share that with the listeners, right? Sounds like a good idea. Yeah, definitely. I got uh, you know probably seven or eight albums saved that could possibly hit my top 10 so far. For some reason, last year, April, May, June, July were where most of my albums came from. It wasn't at the beginning of the year, but uh, maybe the same thing happened this year. Yeah, there's been a bunch of releases and some releases that people have been like really highly stoked about. They haven't quite done it for me, and I don't know if there's anything that has like blown me away so far in these first few months. Like last year, I remember we had that wet record 
really early on. And then it got released, I think, in like February of last year. But we had already been listening to it for several months before then. And that record blew me away. Like I knew that record was going to be in my top 10 at the end of the year. With the records that we're going to talk about today, I'm not 100% sure that any of them are going to be in my top 10 at the end of the year. You know, it doesn't mean they're not good. It just means that I don't necessarily know that I'm taken back by any of the records thus far. Like, I like the ones I'm going to talk about for sure, but we'll see. What about for you? These records we're going to talk about today, uh, are you pretty sure that at least one or more of them are going to end up in your top 10 at the end of the year? One's got a shot. Uh, I would say the rest of them most likely are not going to make my top 10. Okay, fair enough. We'll also include it in this episode. We're going to do an extended version of the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, even though this episode is kind of a whole episode dedicated to Crank It Up New Music Spotlights. For the normal Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, I was able to do an interview with Garish from Garish and the Chronicles about the new album that they released. So I'm going to share that with you guys. The interview is about 35 minutes long. And I'll also play some music within that interview and hopefully you guys will dig the new record and some of that music that we talk about. Other than that, what else is going on with you? Uh, nothing really. Just uh, looking forward to Creatures Fest, which is coming soon. We're going to both be there, so that'll be fun. Yeah, there's going to be a whole bunch of us there, right? Guys from Shout It Out Loudcast and Joe's in, Brent's in, my brother Danny's in. Yeah, so I imagine we'll be able to uh, do some recording maybe that weekend. Oh, definitely. We'll, we'll have at least one live game show, if nothing else. Yeah, and concerts every night. That'll be fun. Some good concerts, too. Yeah, we got to at least record a little something every night because we'll forget some of the craziness. Yeah, for sure. So before we get too much further into this episode, you know, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right. So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, as I promised, is the Garish from Garish and the Chronicles interview. Uh, within this interview, you'll hear some of the music. We talk about the new record. And uh, check it out. Dig it. Hey, everyone. This is Garish from Garish and the Chronicles. And you're listening to Growing Up Rock podcast with Stephen Michael. Well, crank it up. <laughs> So welcome to the Growing Up Rock podcast. we got a special one for you today as part of this Crank It Up new music spotlight. And we are talking to Gersh from Gersh and the Chronicle. This is a band that I have been championed for the last couple of years. Uh, if you listen back to our Best of 2020 episode, their album made my top 10. And they've got a new album out on Frontiers Records called Hail to the Heroes. Gersh, welcome to the Growing Up Rock podcast. Thank you so much and really appreciate the kind words. 
Absolutely. It's exciting to have you here. I discovered you guys through first a YouTube video, and then I went down the rabbit hole with Rock the Highway. And then somebody had posted in the Frontiers Records group, hey, what bands do we need to look at that are not currently signed to Frontiers Records? I blurted out Gersh and the Chronicles. <laughs> oh, I, I think I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't put that solely on my shoulders. I know there were other people that said the same thing, but sure enough, two or three months later, uh, a press release was released and said, Hey, we signed this band. I was like, Holy shit, that worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the contribution <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I think it's beneficial to you guys as a band because I get a lot of my music from Frontiers Records. They just are producing a lot of stuff that I like right now. Yeah, true. But I think you guys are a little left of center from most of the stuff that they have on their roster right now, which I think is fantastic for both you and them. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, that's definitely an advantage in a way, I guess. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Growing up in India, where did you get your education for music, like the music groups uh, that you got into, the albums you listened to? Where were you getting that from in India? Well, it's it's a vast country, right? So uh, I'm from this place called Sikkim, and its capital is Gangtok. That's where we grew up, and it falls in the northeast part of India, which is like right at the foothills of the Himalayas, the mountain range, right? And again, there's the northern side of the country, which is like more towards the capital, New Delhi and all that. And there's South India and there's again, Mumbai has its own thing going on. So, yeah, it was like we were all obviously from the cassette era. And, you know, in our school, we used to just exchange cassettes all the time and all. And uh, MTV was still showing some really good (laughs) videos back in the day. So, I mean, we used to get blown away by the bands that would just like be there. right? So. Yeah, it's kind of, we grew up in an environment which was filled with a lot of melodic rock and heavy metal. I find that interesting. I have to ask because obviously, I mean, I don't live in India. I've never even been to India, so I don't have a perception of of how people come by music. But from what you just described to me, it's exactly the same as how I grew up personally. Now, I'm guessing, well, mm-hmm. I'm not even guessing. I'm, I'm guaranteeing that I'm older than you guys are i don't know what age range does the band fall in oh we, we are all in our 30s actually so okay so um in a way we're uh being in gang talk it was not exactly we did not have internet for the longest time you know and we were in that cassette era for a longer time and then like maybe a lot of the bigger cities in india they were already like quite advanced in a way and you know, I, I didn't even have access to computers and all, all that stuff, right? It was all very organic and we were learning instruments by just hearing and there was nothing else to go by. And no, no other bands were like exactly trying to get out of the place and, you know, make make it big or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it was kind of a... In a way, it was a blessing, I guess, you know, because we saw the era where we kind of totally learned music in a very organic way, I guess, if that's the word for it. Sure. No, that makes complete sense. So do you remember like some of the first bands that kind of caught your attention personally? Because you you gravitated at some point towards hard rock. If it's the 80s that you're seeing, then what bands were you attracted to at that point? 
I think, uh, I mean, just like anyone else in our place, especially the, I don't know about entire India, but, you know, especially the northeastern part of the country, like the first song you ever learn on the guitars was always Hotel California. <laughs> okay, so really? We kind of, yeah, it starts with Hotel California. And that's a very big song, especially for our generation. And everyone was into that song. And eventually it introduces you to Eagles. And we kind of, uh, like the Hell Freezes Over concert was really, really big. We, we kind of, you know, watched... Uh, the Eagles, like, on TV all the time, we were kind of addicted. I mean, that's how it started, you know, the whole... And Eagles was showing us, like, rock and a little bit of uh, southern rock, a little bit of country. So we kind of got introduced to a lot of things just by one band itself. And later on, I mean, just like any other rocker, rockhead, metalhead, we kind of start looking for heavier stuff. And that's when we discovered bands like uh, Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses, and eventually it leads to Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and then, you know, uh, all bands like Monty Clue, Rad, Dog. <laughs> well, that's fantastic because I would imagine that starting with the Eagles really helps you kind of understand songwriting and melodies and things like that, first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely, Ashley. I mean, it's the they have made really beautiful music and i mean it's a challenge for every guitarist to learn those solos right sure <laughs> when you're learning guitars how do you and your brother start to begin to like okay i want to play guitar where does all that come into the picture at what age and how does that come to you or your parents musicians yeah we were really really young maybe i was like just 12 or something like that. And my brother Yogesh was again, like three years younger to me. He's three years younger to me. So he was still like eight or something like that. And when we used to watch those videos and I mean, we were like fascinated with the guitar, especially more than anything else. And there would be these local bands and they were like quite senior to all of us. And uh, they would perform all these covers of bands like Guns N' Roses and Bon Jovi and even Eagles and you know it was a mixed thing mm -hmm. and we, we would just look at them practicing or at a small concert or a gig we really really wanted to be like that you know we just wanted to learn the instruments and all that so so much and in fact some of those bands actually really encouraged us by you know giving us a small amp and stuff you know why didn't you try it out so it kind of all those factors helped but we started in a very humble way. I mean, Yogesh is actually a drummer. You know, we we I was learning the guitars and vocals and Yogesh was uh, learning the drums at that time. And we had this drum kit made out of buckets and stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, we had an acoustic guitar with a metal chain at the end of it to make it sound like the stars. <laughs> so it was like we learned it the hard way, I guess. <laughs> Does Yogesh also sing? Can he sing? He absolutely sings, but I, I always try to, you know, why don't you sing some of the songs, you know, in our albums? He's always like, nah, that's not my thing. But he's actually a really, really good singer. <laughs> that's amazing. So he was credited on this latest album, which I found interesting because, you know, it's got Garish, vocals, rhythm, guitars, yogish, bass, keys, and primary music producer. Now, they... Most people don't usually state that out to the side, but you guys made it a point mm -hmm. to put him as the primary music producer. That's mm -hmm. important to you for a reason. Absolutely. Because, uh, I mean, ever since our first album or every single or any recording we've ever done, it's like we've always been dependent on him for everything. Right. And I mean, although we are all involved in the mix and the sound and all, but I mean, he's the guy with the whole knowledge of everything. And in the end, the end product 
we can totally rely upon him. And I think it's important that if a band member is working so hard, like, you know, they all, everyone who deserves their own credits, I guess. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, obviously, go on to credit. So that's another thing. You got AKA <laughs> Suraz's son. So is that because yeah. most people can't pronounce his regular name or what? Yeah, I mean, Suraj itself means the sun. So I guess he just wanted people to call him sun because it was hard to say Suraj all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And then we've got, uh, is it Nagin or Nagin? Nags. Yeah, that's Nagin. It's Nugget, actually. And we just said, you know what, we'll just call you Nags on stage and stuff. You know, that's easy. Because, you know, in America, a Nag is somebody that always is uh, bothering you, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but but that fits most drummers, doesn't it? <laughs> I also found out that the word nuggen in German means someone who's always nibbling. It's <laughs> <That's> even funnier. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So let me ask, is there a current or past hard rock metal scene in India other than Garish and the Chronicles? Are there some bands that we should be on the lookout for? Well, yeah, there are. I mean, a lot of people already know uh, Kryptos, for example, mm -hmm. is also from Bangalore. I mean, they they had been doing this before us, and they are known to tour Europe all the time. And that's one of the bands. And uh, there's another band, although it's not really the kind of sound I'm much into, but they have been doing really great. Uh, there's a band called Bloody Wood, and they, they do this uh, a mix of gent kind of metal with some Indian folk elements in there. You know, it's a very fusion kind of... Uh, metal sound and there's a recently there has been a band that's kind of making some buzz around from the state called Nagaland their name is about us and they have some really good progressive kind of AOR going on you know which is pretty cool as well but yeah from the senior bands uh, the bands from the olden days they are still there they are still doing their thing I mean the reason I ask is because so the internet has opened us up, especially here in America, to all kinds of music from all over the world. And here at Grown Up Rock, we look primarily towards hard rock and metal type bands because that's what we like. We see a lot of stuff emerging from Italy and Brazil and a ton of stuff from Sweden. True. Like we really are into the Swedish scene right now because there are so many yeah. amazing bands coming out of Sweden. But India is not something that we're, you know, it, it's just not a place Expecting. where, yeah, it's not a place we're hearing yeah. a bunch of stuff coming out of, at least, at least not yet. So when Garish and the Chronicles came out, I was like, okay, well, I like the music first. Obviously, that's the first thing that I that I heard is I like the music. They look cool. Where's this band from? They're from India. Oh, that's interesting. You know? <laughs> yeah. So that's why I ask, like, what else does that scene look like current today? Yeah, I mean, actually, the scene is, like, really uh, colorful. And, you know, uh, there are a lot of bands that do songs in Hindi or, or any region. Every state has its own language, actually, right? So everybody's got different, different kinds of, uh, maybe it's rock, but it might be another language. Yeah. So, so it's a vast culture. But as far as the classic sound, the 80s sound is concerned, I, I guess there's only a few of us doing that now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and the Chronicles has been around since 2009, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with that name, yeah. I mean, we had performed together. Like, you know, we started out together back in 2006, actually, when I kind of dropped my engineering and I like just wanted to be in a band, form a band. And that's when I called up Suraj because we had already met at a, like a college level competition kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And 
we were talking about forming a band. This was back in 2005 or something. So, I mean, we kind of knew each other since then. We we had performed together in these small, small restaurants and stuff like that. But there was this huge break in between because we had no idea how, because we literally had no guidance uh, in Sikkim because there was hardly any band that were going out and like, I mean, nobody could tell us like what exactly to do, like to get into the scene or something, like do something that would kind of, you know, uh, so we were just blank about it. So during those years between 2006 and 2009, I kind of explored. I went to the capital, New Delhi. I went to another place called Gurgaon. And then I, I even stayed in Nepal for one year, you know. So I was just, I kind of experienced a lot of things during that time. I got into a lot of pubs. I performed in a lot of pubs and venues in Nepal and I, I came back and I kind of realized well like we, we can do this you know and then we met again back in 2009 and yeah that's from then we've been like a real band kind of a thing yeah it's interesting because bands here in the states back in the day I can't speak so much for it now but back in the day when bands would get together they would literally rehearse by playing gigs club pub gigs yeah all the time and in fact i saw something in your bio that uh made me remember something that i had read in a book you guys were the house band for a year in hong kong correct yeah yes yes so what that reminded me of is the band tesla are you familiar with them Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, so I read Brian Wheat's book, and Tesla, when they were just starting out and they were city kid at the time, they went to Guam as a house band for literally a year to get their chops together. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and in fact, it really, it actually helps to, it helps you become a really tight band and all that. Yeah. Which I think is very important, right? You can write songs and you can record. And nowadays, bands don't even necessarily record in the same room anymore. But yeah, yeah. if you're ever going to go out, at least for rock and roll, if you're ever going to go out on the road and become a real rock band, like kick ass, right? Kick ass, take names. You got to have your chops together. And it's things like this where you're the house band for a year in some place that helps do that absolutely i think these kind of stuff are really important for any band because you know you you might get a hit song fine but uh, you suddenly go uh, get invited for like festivals or shows and all and and you might like really screw it up because you haven't had much experience uh, performing live right so i think it's important to go down that path for a long time in fact (laughs) that's how i feel at least yeah, agreed. Now, you play guitar live in the band, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of mixed. I, I would play for a couple of songs and then not play for a couple of songs. It depends, you know. While recording, I play a lot, but um, kind of I feel like going freehand a lot of times in life because that's, again, that's another kind of, that has another beauty to it, you know, because when you're free, you can freehand, you can just go crazy singing i guess um, so we've always been confused on that front you know <laughs> well that that kind of leads me to my next question because obviously i haven't seen the band live so i i wondered mm. whether or not you play rhythm guitar in the band and how much of the time is spent doing that and then my question ultimately is do you prefer to be behind the guitar or just a straight up front man and it sounds like what you're calling freehand it sounds like you prefer just the chaos of being the front guy 
Yeah, like I said, it depends on like uh, what's going on during the show a lot of times. But I, I, I'm someone who has always been behind the guitars and it kind of somehow, sometimes it just feels really naked without the guitar. You know, I feel like, what am I doing without the guitar in my hand? So I'm still kind of getting used to it, in fact. But uh, one thing's for sure, if I'm to sing technically really, really correct and all, like uh, a lot of times, actually, it's without the guitars, it's much better. But I've also screwed up a lot of times. So <laughs> well, it's a mixed thing, you know. <laughs> understand. Do you write most of the lyrics for the songs? Yeah, man. Uh, and even Yogesh does that a lot. So we kind of share a lot of lyrics because um, at a point, it kind of gets, uh, while you're writing an album, it kind of you kind of get saturated sometimes, you know, and you just want someone else's input. And that's when I mostly refer to Yogesh and he kind of comes up with some really good lyrics as well. And sometimes we just sit together and just talk about stories, you know, and we kind of, I kind of write paragraphs or something. And then we kind of try to convert that into songs too. So yeah, a lot of times it's me, but it's uh, Yogesh is also like a big contributing factor. Yeah, so here's something that I always wondered when it comes down to this. Uh, assuming English is not your first language, obviously, do you mm -hmm. struggle writing lyrics and melodies that will transfer over to the English language? Yeah, sometimes it's kind of, uh, in a way, it's, sometimes it's scary in a way, because what if what if there's a grammar that, that's gone wrong? We, we just can't be sure sometimes, right? Right. <laughs> but at the same time, we kind of think about all these bands we grew up listening to, and the lyrics are pretty much straightforward and simple, right? It's not as if uh, we're writing for some complicated poetry or something like that. So we try to keep it as simple as possible, I think. I was always curious about that because occasionally we'll find like a Swedish band or something where it, obviously they struggle with the same things where it comes down to melodies mm -hmm. and, and lyrics and transferring that mm -hmm. over to English. And they'll take more of an easy way out. And sometimes the lyrics will come across cheesy like really oh, yeah. simplistic <laughs> yeah. cheesy. Now I don't necessarily yeah. get that from Garrish and the Chronicles, so it's not it's not an issue, but it has been with some of the other bands where English isn't the first language. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it take we kind of make sure we take a lot of time and uh, we we have to be careful at times, you know. <laughs> and uh, although even though we all studied in English medium, but we, it's not as if we were the state toppers or anything. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, Which I have to say, your your English is pretty impressive. I don't know whether that's uh, just you know where you get that from, whether you just practice a lot or learn from TV and movies and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, what... yeah I think it's all mixed up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's totally mixed up. A lot of things have kind of contributed. And although, you know, uh, like I said, we were all studying in English medium schools and like English was a compulsory subject with like, you know, even the Shakespeare in English was there. Everything was there. Right. But we would just communicate with each other in our like mother tongue, which is Nepali. <laughs> and we would all talk to each other. We would never talk in English. It's only later on, like we kind of, you know, during college, this that when you when you meet people from other states and all, it kind of, you know, again starts developing, I guess. It's not as if like they're not really that good. <laughs> with it, so let me ask you this. What are your views on the current state of the music industry as far as like album sales and streaming, things such as that? Where do you fall as far as your opinions? 
I think uh, now it's all about streaming, right? It's all, I mean, in India for the longest time, the most powerful factor was actually YouTube. Like the last, if you talk about the last 10 years, um, but Spotify was not there for a very long time in India. It's just like, it's it's only been a couple of years. Spotify finally kind of got launched in India. Mm-hmm. So uh, we, pers- we, we are kind of new to that. So now with Hail to the Heroes, we kind of, because I guess the, the intervention, of uh, the label it's kind of working out really well now finally i think we can kind of rely on stuff like spotify itunes i mean apple music whatever but i mean i'm not really qualified to just talk about any of it because i just really don't have much idea about it we just want to make good music and you know put it out there i mean honestly just speaking from somebody who's lived the past and is in the is in the current like i know a lot of Artists fall on two sides of things. The older artists feel like they're being ripped off by all the streaming services because they're being paid pennies on the dollar, which I understand. I completely understand that. But at the same time, streaming services like YouTube, like Spotify, are helping the rest of the world discover things that they may have never otherwise discovered. It's very true for for a band like us, for someone like me. I mean, no one would have ever known me if there was no YouTube. I'm sure of that, you know. I mean, yeah, you're you guys are the perfect example for me personally. And the way I look at it is, okay, I discovered Garish and Chronicles through YouTube. Yes, I saw this video, mm-hmm. but I liked it enough, and then went and purchased the album. And so I feel yeah. like I'm supporting. Yes, I streamed first. That is true. And I'm yeah. okay with that. But I also went and supported by purchasing. I think it's a catch 22. I understand both sides of it. I happen to fall on the side of streaming is a convenience and it helps me mm-hmm. discover things that I would have never discovered otherwise. And then I support by either concert tickets, merchandise, or physical copy, CD, whatever, download, whatever you want. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, like you said, like we we are the perfect example. Uh, bands like us, I don't think would have gotten any recognition without these things. So for a lot of us, it's good also, you know. Yeah. It's become a very sensitive subject now, I guess. <laughs> it has been for a lot of people. And what's funny is that, to me anyway, what's funny is that people seem to throw their hatchets, their axes at Spotify more than anything else. Uh, Yeah, I've been reading about those. But to me, YouTube, Apple Music, all the rest of them are every bit as guilty. They're doing the exact same thing. So I don't I don't know why it's Spotify. And some some people say, well, Spotify is the ones that pay the least. But that's actually not true because I think Amazon Music pays less than Spotify. But anyway. I mean, forget about that. Before uh, Rock the Highway, and we we had never earned anything from anywhere. Like you know, right. so we were just like really happy that people were getting introduced to our music. You know? I mean, that's the only thing that mattered to us for the longest time, right? So, I mean, I I just can't say anything about these things. Yeah, you're talking to somebody in the U.S. who would have never been talking to you or even known who you were if it weren't for it. So you know, <laughs> yeah. True. It's just kind of very hard for people to accept sudden changes, I guess. You know, like now Spotify has suddenly become really big. Maybe just it's hard to accept for people. And, and a lot of uh, musicians kind of feel maybe who are at that level, like they kind of feel it's unfair, uh, like the way they're getting paid and all. So it's it's a mixed it's a mixed bag because a lot of 
bands who are in the like zero level for them it's good but for people who are already up there it might be a really bad thing for them maybe it's like that yeah completely understand so let's talk a little bit about hail to the heroes the latest album I had read where you kind of classified this album and Garish and the Chronicles as a whole as being a hard rock slash heavy metal band. And honestly, that pretty much covers this album because this album ranges from melodic rock, hard rock to heavy metal. So is that just a combination of everybody in the band's particular influences? Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of common bands that we really love, but a lot of us also kind of have a distinct taste, right? Like, for example, when I first met Suraj, our guitarist, he was a complete Van Halen, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani kind of a guy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, very guitar-oriented, but at the same time, more of the the happy rock kind of a you know guy. Right. So he was always talking about Mr. Big. He was always talking about bands like Van Halen and these kind of bands. While me and Yogesh... Uh, we were more into stuff like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, and even in the glam metal scene, we were more into stuff like Dark. And I, I guess uh, it's just uh, we were a little bit into the darker kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So whereas if you think about Nugget, he he has always been of more of a blues rock kind of a guy. You know, mm-hmm. he's more into stuff like Zeppelin and like maybe some hard rock bands like ACDC and and some blues bands. So yeah, those kind of things kind of, we kind of, uh, we find a common ground somewhere or the other, and we kind of start making music and we all like really love each other's ideas. For example, Lover's Train is an, is a good example where Suraj, that is a very Suraj kind of a thing going on there, you know, the whole stuff. I hear a song like Lover's Train and I instantly say, okay, this has a Steelheart feel to it, right? I guess uh, when he was making the uh, riff, the song, uh, he he must have imagined it in in a different way as far as the vocals go. But I wanted to introduce something more that was like a soft vocals kind of a thing, especially in the verses. So it kind of, the whole, my idea 
kind of mixed up with his and it became a very different kind of song and it might have reminded people of uh, Steelheart and even a little bit of maybe Bon Jovi here and there right mm-hmm. so and a little bit of Skid Row as well I guess a lot of people mentioned it reminded them of Skid Row somewhere like in the middle <laughs> yeah maybe the first album I mean the first three songs out of the gate Primeval Desire Children of the Night and I'm Not the Devil basically my notes out to the side of this is is balls out <laughs> yeah. yeah now that's like very my kind of songs you know that that's the kind of songs i wrote <laughs> like so i mean not i wrote i mean like the majority of the concept in the song in those songs were mine so you can see the distinct songwriting styles and especially when you talk about the riffs um I don't know how to put it in words, but (laughs) that's how it is, I guess. I think I actually understand that. So, yeah, I think probably if you're telling me you and Yogesh were more into the new wave of British heavy metal than songs like Primeval Desire and Children of the Night and I'm Not the Devil fall sort of under that umbrella, whereas a song like, say, Clearing the Blur or Lover's Train or even Mm -hmm. Love's Damnation falls under more of a Sunset Strip type feel. Yeah, yeah. I guess, you know, uh, this, like, for example, Clearing the Blur, Love's Damnation kind of songs. Again, that's somehow, although Yogesh is more, like he's always listening to really heavy stuff a lot of times, but he was kind of really into a lot of bands like, you know, Cinderella, White Snake and all these kind of bands. Yeah. So I think he also has the side which is like really melodic AOR in nature. And yeah, I mean, in the end, but you know, we sit down, we kind of mix it all up with our ideas and we kind of in the end it has to be a joint effort, you know. We don't like just being like, No, this is my song, I don't want to change anything about it. We hate doing that. So yeah, I mean, is there, I, obviously, I would assume that you're happy with the entire album, the outcome of the entire album. Is there a song or even two on this record that you are particularly proud of? Yes, I think, uh, surprisingly, the song Shamans of Time turned out to be completely something else, like, because that riff, the opening riff was like, just a normal melodic, we were like, we were thinking we'll turn it into a ballad, right? Because uh, there's some sort of a love song or something, but we were not expecting it to go into something entirely different in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. By the time it reaches that uh, progressive part. I was like, we were particularly really, really, I mean, it's still like when we listen to that song, we are all like tripping to it, you know, it's yeah. like, wow, this is something different. <laughs> Oh, 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 
Yeah, fair. And I can see that. It's a slower tempo song, but it's not. It can't be classified as a ballad, that one. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's just, it is its own thing, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what exactly to call it. Yeah, the ballad comes with Heaven's Crying, right? That's your ballad. Yeah. The chord structure for me on Heaven's Crying has a feel of sort of like Queensryche a little bit to me. Do you hear that at all? Not really, because uh, this is one song that we completely let Yogesh do everything about it from the notes to even the notes involved in singing. I didn't interfere much in the song because this song was going in a really good flow and I felt like we didn't want to disturb much you know, we don't. We didn't want to interfere much in it. We, we just let Yogesh do his thing in it, and it has a lot of symphonic kind of thing going on, and some progressive part in between. And I think he would know more about like what exactly he was thinking while making that song. And uh, vocal style-wise, I mean, he actually wrote the tune of the vocals too, and the lyrics also for that song. But uh, as far as styles are concerned, I, I have tried using a very a deeper voice in this song and uh, I've tried a little bit of a Coverdale style and later on even a bit of Steven Tyler kind of a style you know I've, I love doing these kind of stuff you know and I know like uh, it's as if I'm like remembering some of my favorite singers while doing it and kind of influenced a bit by what I used to hear right so turned out to be a really heavy ballad and we just love it yeah listening to it <laughs> Awesome. I have a particular favorite on this record early going. So one of my favorites on the record, and maybe it's because it sort of changes up things after the first three out of the gate, but I really love Love's Damnation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that song I like because it allows the song to breathe and find a groove, which for me allows the melody to change in various parts, which I just I love that feel. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really it's a fun song, and it has a lot of changes in between. Kind of, you know, it, it like exactly like you're saying. There's like you can breathe, you know. Like there's a lot of space in it. You can like takes you up there, and then there's this section in the song in between before the solo, which is like really um, I don't know how to describe it. Very smoky, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and the video exactly describes <laughs> kind of you know kind of describes that particular scene when figure is entering the door and there's a little bit of red light over there. It kind of represents the whole thing in a nice way. Yeah! 
Now, do you have a favorite on the album? Is Shamans of Time your favorite? I think collectively, yes, uh, that would be the song, but uh, not necessarily. It might not be the hit song of the album or anything, but yeah. that's uh, we really enjoy uh, the journey of Shamans of Time. But apart from that, I really, really enjoy uh, I'm Not the Devil. I'm, and that's the kind of song I kind of like to start my day with you know it's kind of like very fast and you know i just i'm that kind of a guy personally so get your day off to a kick i listen to the eagles to start my day <laughs> <laughs> yeah as soon as like i'm gonna like listen to the first song from the album i, I think it will probably be i'm not the devil for sure <laughs> wow yeah you wake up quick <laughs> fair enough well garish this has been great man thanks so much for sharing time with us and sharing uh, some thoughts on the album and educating us as far as the band's history and in india it's been great because I mean, we just don't know a ton about the band. And so this is our, our first opportunity to really dig into the band. I've been championing the band since Rock the Highway. It's just a great two albums, great back-to-back. -back. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, absolutely. Are you familiar with the Monsters of Rock Cruise? Oh, yeah. I, I checked that post a lot, <laughs> in fact. <laughs> we just got off the boat last week. So now that 2022 is out of the way, people start championing for the bands they want to see next year on the cruise. So I've already thrown out Gurish and the Chronicles. I think you guys would be perfect for the boat. Well, I think I saw that comment. Was that you? That's I me. Mean, Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I was like, wow, thank you so much. Yeah, you guys would be perfect for that cruise. You guys would come kick our asses, and it's uh, fantastic. <laughs> Let's hope for the best. Now you're on Frontiers, so I know that they have a, a line with Monsters of Rock cruise people. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Alf, here's like hoping to the best. And <laughs> oh, so what's next for Garish and the Chronicles? Anything on the horizon right away? Uh, just uh, keep on doing what we've been doing. You know, I, I think we'll probably kind of start at least talking about what do we do in the next album and plan some tours in India. And hopefully we might be visiting a few places in Europe during the winters and hopefully during June also, if everything works out fine. Yeah, let's hope everything opens back up and you guys can get out there and support this great album that you released. Thank you so much. Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K.com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it. So I checked out the interview, you know, Garish is an Indian brother. He was talking about being from the Northeast. My family's actually from the Northwest. So if uh, Garish is listening, we're from Amritsar and Jalandhar, which is... Uh, very, very close to Pakistan. So, you know, it's nice to hear that uh, India's got some stuff going on. I tried a couple of the bands he was talking about, like Kryptos. Yeah. They're not as melodic as Garish and the Chronicles, that's for sure. So Garish has kind of got what he's doing cornered in that part of the country. And you've heard me say it before. I like the stuff that they're doing. I just wish it was more Bon Jovi, more my kind of side of melodic rock. And they're a little right. bit more on the power metal side of melodic rock. But I saw some live clips, and man, they would be really cool to see live. Yeah, that would be a great addition to Monsters uh, of Rock Cruise, for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a heavier band. They have flashes of that melodic that you talk about, but you heard how he and his brother are kind of much more into the heavier side of things, the Skid Rows and the Metallicas and, and things like that. So for me, he's an, a fantastic singer. He just has to really kind of pace himself and watch himself so that he doesn't end up doing screaming all the time because then it becomes a lot for me like what Mark Slaughter has become, you know, and I don't want to see that. I don't mind the screaming, especially because he's young and can do a lot of that. I just don't want to hear it all the time. And he's got an amazing voice, and I think he sings really well. So you might as well showcase that if you've got those kind of skills, and he definitely does. I like this record a lot. This record has a shot at my top 10. I love the last album. The last album made my top 10. So I just think they're a great young rock band with a lot of potential and i'm glad that frontiers has them now so we'll see where they go on these next couple of albums and you hear that they're writing all the time so they're definitely always working on new material which is great and uh his brother the bass player is kind of their producer 
Uh, you heard him uh, talk a little bit about that as well. So that's cool. It's good. Good to hear. So let's get into tonight's uh, full-on discussion. So tonight's discussion, it'll actually be probably a little more music and less talk, to be honest with you, because we wanted to share three bands each. And then, of course, I'm going to share the historic moment. But I'm going to share my three first. So we will start with a Frontiers band, Edge of Forever. They just released their fifth album, Seminole, a few months ago. Doesn't always happen with Edge of Forever releases, but this album kind of gets right to it with some slamming music right out of the opening track. You know, you got the thundering drums, you got the riffing guitars, you got Alessandro Sweet, like soulful vocal, which is really cool. You get the, you know, the Prince Harmonics, which I love, the palm muted fills that I love so much that I always call earworms. All that being said, and it is a melodic hard rock record, but it's also a concept album, but it doesn't feel like one. So that's good because I'm not really a huge fan of concept albums. So here's Alessandro Del Vecchio on vocals and keyboards, Aldo Lono Bill on guitars, Nick Manzacone on bass, Marco De Salvia on drums, with a great song called Get Up On Your Feet Again. second pick is actually coming from napalm records so napalm records doesn't always have the most melodic stuff but they released the new album from kiss and dynamite and kiss and dynamite's been around since 2007 this is their sixth studio album this album's just got some really like massive anthems catchy hooks arena feel 
it's got hints of like 70s Aerosmith. I'm not going to hold that against them because I know a lot of people love Aerosmith. And the album is produced and recorded and mixed by the vocalist. And sometimes that's dangerous, but it works on this one. So the album's called Not the End of the Road. You got Johannes Braun on vocals, Andy Braun on guitar, Jim Muller on uh, guitar, which is very German sounding, uh, Stefan Hale on bass, Sebastian Berg on drums with a song called Voodoo Spell. Although you're going to hear a bunch of original songs today, and you've heard some already, I wanted to go with one cover. So here's a band called Find Me, and they're on Frontiers. They just released an album just a few weeks ago called Lightning in a Bottle. This is one of those projects that Serafino and Frontiers likes putting together, a fourth album by this band, and it's basically centered around this American singer named Robbie LeBlanc and a Swedish drummer named Daniel Flores. This album, you know, a lot of AOR anthems, sometimes can be keyboard synth heavy, but it's got enough guitars to keep the rockers interested. So here's Johnny Trobo and Michael Palace on guitar, Daniel Flores on drums, Robbie LeBlanc on vocals, and special guest Vince DeCola on keyboards, covering the Frank Stallone super mega hit, Far From Over. I thought I was in 
What do you think of those three songs? <laughs> All right. So let me start with number three and go backwards. So uh, when I first put this Find Me record on, I thought, man, okay, it's a little bit too keyboard heavy for me. I don't know if there is enough guitar to keep me interested. And we got to this number two track, Far From Over. And I didn't recognize the title right off. But as soon as the song starts, I'm like, okay, this is that freaking song in that movie. Like I couldn't place it, but I knew it like immediately. And I thought it was so close to the vest. I thought that they were just like messing around like are they really going to play that? No, this is actually the song. This is the Frank Stallone song. And so I was kind of like laughing at first and I was kind of like turned off at first, but then I was kind of like, well, this is sort of cheesy and sort of uh, so eighties that I kind of like it, you know? So that's kind of where I was with it. I think it's a good cover of it. Uh, but definitely that song is just all I can picture. That was from the movie staying alive, right? Isn't that the movie? That's right. Okay. All I could see is sort of that Miami vice era of the eighties with this song kissing dynamite. So I discovered Kissing Dynamite a while back when one of their songs turned up on my playlist and I really dug the song. I went back and checked out some of their records and I like a lot of their stuff. When this new record came out, I didn't like the first single that they released, but I think it was the second or third single, something else off this record I really did like. Then when the record finally got released and I went and checked it out, I was kind of meh on it. And I think I told you that at the time. I'm like, I don't know. I just don't necessarily connect with this record. It's a little bit too AOR for me. And some of their earlier stuff was a little bit heavier, which I liked. I kept going back to this record to give it more and more chances. And the more chances I give it, the more it's starting to grow on me. I do like this song, Voodoo Spell. So we'll see. I'll keep giving it chances. But I think that this really proves the point, which is we got to spend time with these records coming out. It's really, really, really a challenge to do that these days. Uh, so I don't know. But how many albums have we missed? Because, well, for you, you're very convinced that if it doesn't catch you right away, that you're done with it. But for me, I think there's records that don't catch me right away that grow on me. And uh, Kissing Dynamite, I think, is going to be one of those records. I would bet money that we will see Kissing Dynamite on a Monsters of Rock cruise within the next two years. Uh, I think they're one of those bands that is getting talked about a lot. So I think they'll be on the cruise maybe two to three years from now, somewhere in there. Edge of Forever. I like this band. I like this song, Get Up On Your Feet Again. I like this record. I think Edge of Forever just, I mean, they remind me a lot of Hardline. And I know the like Alessandro, he's in Hardline, but just they have that same kind of mixture of guitar and, you know, pop and AOR hits. And there's enough guitar to keep me interested. And you turned me on to this band. I'd never even heard of them before the year before last when they made your top 10 albums with uh, uh, Seminal, uh, right? No. No, Seminal's the new one. Seminole's the newest album. Yeah, whatever that last record was. I can't remember the name of it now. But yeah, I dig it. Which one of these records is, is going to have a shot at your top 10? Believe it or not, it's going to be Kissing Dynamite. That Edge of Forever record has some great songs on it. 
uh-huh. but then they got kind of locked into this concept album thing, right? So some of it's like, I'm like, oh, come on, dude, why'd you do this? So there's a lot of it that I like. It's got a slight shot, but Kiss and Dynamite, I think, got a solid shot to make the top 10. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. We're going to take a break out from the podcast and tell you how you can help out the podcast. And that's real simple. Leave us a five-star review at Podchaser or at Apple Podcast. The more reviews we get, the more five-star reviews we get, the more we're out there and visible to the general public. And so we can get more listeners from that. And that really helps us out. It only takes you a second, but it helps us out greatly when you leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you dig about the podcast. Tell us why you like it. And we will definitely appreciate that. We read them all. So thank you very much for the ones that have left five-star reviews for us. We appreciate each and every one of you listeners every week. Thanks again. So on to my three songs or my three albums, and I'll play a song off of each one of those records. First up is a band called Rust and Rage. Rust and Rage is a very young band from Finland. They're releasing their debut album, which was produced by Jimmy Westerlund from the band One Desire. The name of the record is One for the Road. And this is a song called Ride On. So the band cites their musical influences 
from bands like Guns N' Roses, Jews Priest, Motley Crue, Dokken, bands like that. They definitely add their own flavor. This record is interesting to me because it has several different kind of flavors on it. Uh, it was a band I'd never heard of before. So when I listened to this record, I was, you know, I was kind of generally pleasantly surprised. All the record isn't rocking as I like it, but there is a lot of stuff on it that has enough guitar mixture in it that keeps me interested in the record. And it's definitely a record I see as sort of growing on me the more listens that I give to it. But check out the band Rust and Rage with the song Ride On. Number two for me is more of a musical project. So the band is radioactive. Uh, it first started in 91. It's a mastermind by Swedish guitarist, songwriter, and producer Tommy Denander. Tommy has been playing on a bunch of people's stuff. He knows everybody who's anybody. The name of this record is Triple X, and it'll be the fifth album overall under the Radioactive name since 2015. As with past Radioactive albums, they always feature a number of different singers. This album in particular has Robin McCauley, Robbie LeBlanc, Jerome Meza, Cliff Magnus, Christian, yeah, I'm not even going to pronounce that last name, and Daniel Byrne all contributed to the making of this record. So check out this song, which features Jerome Mazza on vocals. This is a song called Monkey on Our Backs. In the case of nuclear or radiological fallout, people living around potential targets such as military bases and chemical plants may be advised to evacuate. Protection from radioactive fallout will require taking shelter in an underground area or in the middle of a large building. Fallout shelters can be any protected space where the walls and roof are thick and dense enough to absorb radiation. You just gotta realize that everybody's gonna be on your tail five o'clock until the day you die.
So I've read a lot of things about this band that says that their earlier records are better than this one, but I really like this record. Like, uh, usually it takes a few spins for me to get into a record, but I went through this one on the first run through. There was a lot of stuff. There's also a lot of interesting people that have contributed to this record. So Mutt Lang came in and co-wrote two of the songs, a song called Move It and I Have a Dream. He also had background vocals from various people. Eric Grumwall contributed to the writing of a song called I Have a Dream, uh, which that song's okay for me. But there's just a lot of interesting people that take part in the making of these radioactive records. And typically, I'm not a projects guy. I like more of a band situation. But honestly, a lot of bands out there today are just projects anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But check out Radioactive X and see what you think. My third and final choice is by someone named Kramer. And no, I'm not talking about the Seinfeld Kramer. This is spelled K-R-A-E-M-E-R. Eric Kramer is a Finnish vocalist who apparently is rising through the ranks. And he just recently put out a record that was basically done with Alexandro Del Vecchio, uh, because, of course, this is a Frontiers record. And so I'm going to play a song called I'm in Love Again. Check it out. I dig that song. There's a lot of other songs on there that are in that same vein. Some of them are a little bit more keyboardy than I like, but overall, this record is a pretty decent kind of melodic rock record. So I would encourage you to check out Kramer with his first record, 
for Frontiers Records. So those are my three choices. Check them out. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go worst to best on this one. So to me, the rust and rage, like first you waited 40, uh, wasted 40 seconds of my life. And then the whoa, whoa, whoa <laughs> thing just did not work to me. Like I, I tried that album. I was just kind of meh the entire album. It, for whatever reason, it didn't connect. Yeah. The radioactive thing. So this Tommy DeAnder, right? He shows up in a lot of things. In our circles, there was a lot of talk about this XXX record. Like it was the second coming, blah, blah, blah. So I immediately, when I got the record, I immediately went to move it and I have a dream. Figured those two had the best shot because it got Mutt and Eric involved in one of the songs. And I was like, they're great vocals, but these songs are, they're not, they just don't super connect. Like I get what he's going after, but there is something missing. Now I will tell you Monkey on Our Backs is one of the better songs on the record, but the rest of it just didn't come off as super special to me. Kramer, that's a different situation. And I think they have Nestor to thank for that because when I hear these guys, they feel like Nestor, City of Lights, Find Me. It's that crunchier survivor Mm -hmm. journey feel. And I actually really like this song and this album I'm listening to more and more. I don't know if it's got a shot at top 10 because there's a lot of other bands that sound like them, Mm -hmm. but uh, I definitely enjoyed Kramer more than the other two. Yeah, if I had to pick, I would have thought Kramer was probably more in your alley than the other two. Although I'm surprised, like with the Radioactive record, I thought there was some really good melodies on that record uh, and some good vocals and some good hooks and courses. So I kind of thought that you might dig that record a little bit more than you did. As far as the Rust and Rage, that doesn't really surprise me at all. That record is definitely a little left of center. There's some different flavors on that record for sure. Yeah, so check those records out. There's six records for you, seven if you count the uh, the Garish and the Chronicles. Hopefully that'll give you some new things to look up and check out for yourselves, decide whether you like them or don't like them. And that's really what these episodes are all about. Less talk, more music, and just spotlighting some new up-and-coming albums here in 2022. So there you go. All right, let's connect it to Kiss. You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, we're going to go with Classic 78. So we've played them a few episodes ago. We like Classic 78 around here, so there's no reason not to play them. They just released a new album called Phantoms. These guys do a great job of creating that feel of classic Kiss songs from the 70s. This song that we're going to play off their latest release is more of a Paul 78 solo album type vibe. So here is Tom Higgins on guitar and bass. Joe McGinnis on guitar and doing his best Paul Stanley, and Charlie Benanti on drums. Yes, the Anthrax Charlie. Charlie's a huge Kiss fan, found out that he had a chance to be involved with Classic 78 and jumped all over it. Here's a song called Show Me Your Love, and it's got this kind of like Tonight You Belong to Me feel. Enjoy. Show 
Yeah, so officially, this is Classic 78's first really full album because the first two things that they did side one and side two were basically i guess you could consider those eps right they had five songs on them or something like that so this is the first kind of full length album that they're releasing and it's more of the same stuff they do such an amazing job and we've had both joe and uh, tom on the podcast separately before in fact joe's been on a couple times i think what amazes me about classic 78 is not so much that they can pull off the paul stanley ace and gene type stuff and that they can write in that same vein of music but the recording, the actual recording that they put down on uh, CD sounds similar to that error of recording. That's what amazes me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Tom and Joe do a lot of work to try to create that sound through the cabinets that they're playing, the instruments that they're playing. Like They take a lot of uh, onus and pride in doing that. Yeah, so we definitely were big fans of Classic 78 around here. Uh, in fact, that was the second podcast we ever did was with uh, with Tom. But uh, go check out Classic 78, spell with a K. It's K-L-A-S-S-I-K 78, and you're not going to stream them. So you got to go uh, support this band, purchase on uh, Amazon or purchase on their website, wherever they're selling their music. But go purchase it because it's worth it i'm telling you you won't be disappointed if you're at all a early kiss fan you're gonna dig this stuff because to me they put a lot of effort into it they write some good material you can't say they're ripping off kiss because they're not you know it's not a tribute band they're not they're not making tribute songs or covers of of the original songs they're just they're basically writing in that vein and recording in that vein and it sounds amazing so do yourself a favor and go check out classic 78 and support that band so there you go a nice little episode with a bunch of new music that's out there not all new bands but new music and you know this whole shit about rock is dead rock isn't dead it's just people don't have time they don't have any time to find this new music they don't have time to listen to it so I'll say what I've said before, as a music fan, our listeners are music fans, you got to connect with a podcaster, a blogger, somebody that write articles or whatever that you connect with that has a similar music taste as you do. And that person's got the time to listen to some of this new music so they can be your MTV for you. Tony does that a ton for me. Sometimes you try to do it, you hit and miss. Sometimes Righty tries to do it, he hits and misses. Sometimes I try to do it for the two of you and I hit and miss. But like I, I've heard something today that sounded very Black Rose to me. I send it to you and Huddy and Huddy goes, hey, that's pretty damn good. You know, so people just don't got time. Yeah, I mean, look, all the podcasters are definitely each other's MTVs. We share stuff back and forth amongst all of us. So even if you're not listening to our show or somebody else's show, the best way to find some of this new music is like Sonny said, connect with somebody that has similar taste and go read a blog or listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video or whatever. But there's new rock and roll out there every day. There's a ton of it. You just got to find what works for you. And uh, that's what we do. So, And that's what we try to share out uh, to the world because radio is not going to do it. We are these new rock bands, radio stations. 
for them. And we'll try to fly the flag for them on the ones that we like. So there you go. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Until next week, we appreciate each and every one of you guys. Keep listening to that rock and roll. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Points.